Welcome to podcast. Welcome to podcast. Welcome to Pod Source, Mary. Lovely to have you and your energy uh, with us today. Ah, oh, thanks so much for having me, Mike. I'm really excited to be here. I have listened to you at this point your entire series, and I am so <laughs> impressed and just honored you'll have me. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, I have made an effort with this podcast to try and reach out to people of all kind of walks of lives and backgrounds. We were just just talking about um, we've had some yeah, big time sources that have built careers around sourcing and learn a hell of a lot from them. But um, the reason I was keen to chat with you and, and um, we were just having, I think, um, surprise, surprise, I harassed you on LinkedIn via email or um, connect that note and we ended up having a chat and um, we got talking about like, and this is like the premise of what I wanted to dig into today is like the concept of like embracing the weird and the uniqueness that is you um, and how you can, if you can kind of bottle that and apply that to your outreach strategies, how that can help you convert. And you were flexing on me that you get really good engagement rates. So I was like, hey, we need to, we need to kind of yeah, try and understand this and share this and, and hopefully help everybody else um, with their conversion rates. So, so maybe can we start? Like, typically, what kind of conversion rates do you get with like an outreach campaign generally? Have you got a number? Gosh, uh, for end roles, uh, I'm pretty lucky if I get, I, I get anywhere between, depending on the role and depending on the company and also depending on how good my outreach is, it's probably anywhere between like 40 to 60% of a return at like by the second stage, by the second stage, which means they're pretty engaged with like the opportunity or at least building the connection with me. And I would say like towards the end of the campaign, I do at least a three-point touch point, but it's usually four, sometimes five. It's, it's a white whale, and I definitely want them in my universe. <laughs> that is wild. That's wild. I, at this point, try not to do a lot of outreach, and I try to, I, I do a lot of low volume because I just bank on hearing back within two to three weeks, if not sooner than later. Um, and if I, and that's for technical roles. Non-technical roles, which I, I do, you know, a good split between. Um, I would say for anything still in like the product realm or kind of like the technical non-technical, so like growth marketing, design, UX, product, QA, stuff like that, um, it'll still be in like the 50s to 70s. And it, I mean, <laughs> I try not to even do outreach for like sales, marketing, creative or growth, because it'll be in the 85 to 95 percentile. It's bonkers. So at this point, I, I'm really like, I'll get a good sourcing list and then I'll get, I'll shorten that list and then I'll figure out who I'd like to reach out to, craft those little platonic professional love letters, bank on each one of them coming back at some point for some reason and, and having those conversations and building those relationships. I feel by and large, most people are like hitting like 50, 60, maybe even more for competitive roles. Whereas if you did that, you'd have like a glut. You'd have a big problem. You'd have too many people coming back to you and then you'd be having to say no to people and pissing people off. And so what kind of numbers, if, when you go to market for a role with that kind of um, understanding of your conversion rates, like 10 people, 20 people, what kind of numbers do you typically try and hit? I try to source anywhere between like I don't know, 20 to 50 profiles, depending on like how large I think that market is. We also know that like, there are some roles where if you do a quick search, your talent pool is like, you know, two hands. It's 10 people. So you really, you yeah. really got to be a sniper when it comes to like, you know, crafting these, this, this really great outreach and this really great opportunity. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll create a good list and then I'll figure out like, who do I want to test this out on? 
and I'll do rolling tests of maybe like three to five a day. That way I can see also how the outreach is doing across different touch points. And I might change the game if I've got some rolling. So then I'll start, you know, three or four more people the next day and yada, yada. So over a two week span, I might reach out to 15 or 20 out of that, you know, 20 to 50 list. And because that's how many conversations, if they all got back to me, I could feasibly balance within a week or two. Right. And that's what I'm banking on. Uh, but I'll also, you know, preface this with that's not how I started out in recruiting. <laughs> I definitely yeah. learned that, hey, source anywhere between, you know, we want to see 50 profiles the first day, 75 to 100 the next. We want to see you reaching out to all of them <laughs> with this. And I, I mean, I remember the first role. The first time I, I sourced and, and reached out and I did the dumbest thing. I hit all, I thought I was really smart. I thought I, I was going to hit a hundred people, but all at once, <laughs> I didn't even bother like sh- filling out their name or their company name or those key. Like it was, th- this was almost 10 years ago and I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't learning from the best of them. This was still like a pretty traditional, like. Um, I would I would almost call it like staffing agency where like sourcing just yeah. wasn't wasn't the the bread and butter. It was all inbound and just operating out of a CRM and like really fast you know faster than night types of roles. So I learned pretty quickly within the first hour, and this was maybe my first year in recruiting when I did this, um, that I was getting some pretty like lofty candidates that I had at the very tip top of my list, or I remembered their profile immediately getting back to me and saying like I'm not interested in this and like this is pretty offensive that you didn't even put my first name (laughs) or you got my first name wrong or you got my company name wrong and so check your (laughs) template so I had to stop the campaign apologize to these humans thank them for letting me know what had happened and at that point I it it really clicked with me of oh gosh it's not just the company I'm recruiting for the opportunity it's my personal brand and is this like I'm so grateful that those people told me what I was doing wrong yeah. and reminded me of what that experience was like on the other end and uh, quickly changed my strategy to low volume, high touch, really, really like almost aggressively hospitable and, um, and you know, careful. I'll, I'll, at this point, I'll probably spend anywhere between five to 15 minutes just crafting one person from a template and peppering in the message uniquely for them um all because of that horrific opportunity (laughs) of that horrific first moment that i sourced and just like cool spray and pray (laughs) all you need is one of those isn't it one of those to go wrong and then i think that's the the empathy is triggered because somebody's come back to you and being like can you not like this is how it made me feel and then you're like oh shit yeah actually that's not a very good experience yeah, I was really grateful. I was really grateful that someone said, hey, look, it's clear that you're, I looked at your profile, it's clear that you're new. <laughs> it's clear that you just started your role. This is not how recruiters should be, although a lot of them, you know, he, I remember they acknowledged, like, that's, you know, few and far between do they actually get good messages, but this is not the way to build those relationships. And so I, I you know, remember leaving that agency going, all right, like there's a lot of disidentification that happened of like, oh, that's not the recruiter I want to be. I want to be, I don't want to be transactional. I want to be really intentional. I want anyone who I'm reaching out to, to at least like 
know that I looked at their profile, got excited about them for, for ABC reasons and wanted to build a relationship with them and treated them like a person, right? Like that golden rule goes a really long way. Like, at least for me, I want to, I want to be the recruiter that I would like to receive communication from and work with and partner with. And if I can't look at myself in the mirror and then at the end of the day, because of the outreach or the experience that I gave someone, I probably should find a different profession. Yeah. And, and so when you're, so to spin back uh, current, current state, when you are starting to go, go you, you've, you've done your initial sourcing search push and you've found your 20, 30, 50 candidates, is that done in a block? Do you run that initial process in a block to build that list or do you kind of stagger that list building? Uh, I, sh- I try to stagger it. I, I mean, yeah. like someone who will look, uh, yeah, I'll take a few different approaches. Like I try to take two to three stabs at sourcing. Um, whether it's all up front and then I start the outreach or, I mean, pretty organically, I'll I'll try to iterate just to keep the pipeline moving um, and just look at alternative spaces and places and also look at candidates that maybe I hadn't initially considered or or thought of, but something about their profile or online made me think that this would be a good opportunity. I also, too, should flag that I work with a lot of these emerging startups, so I don't work with a lot of, like, notable names yet, uh, or, or that's kind of been at least, like, the five five, six, seven years in my career. So I usually don't have like a really strong employ- recognizable employer brand to work with. I can already get the feel with how you're layering the information on is like that kind of iterative approach or that staggering of the outreach. And you, you can learn about like the geography you're targeting and what they care about, the skill set, like those type of individuals and, and what kind of motivates them. So if you went out and hit 50 people straight off the bat with kind of the one strategy and you, you may convert... 10 or 20%, like it resonates with them, but the other part, the, the vast majority, you may have isolated via that outreach strategy. So if you do the staggering, it gives you time to learn and have like a tight feedback loop and, and evolve your messaging as you learn more about what's landing with your target audience. Something that I also do too is, you know, as I'm reaching out, so I've got my short list, but before I message someone, I'm not just looking, I look at their profile again and I also try to, like any other data points they have, whether it's, you know, a stack or GitHub or their Twitter or just like their engagement on LinkedIn, anything or their portfolio, I'd really try to get a sense of what's this pers- person's communication style? What do I imagine their work life, that elusive work-life balance looks like in their current org, and how are they going to be receptive? So you can tell a lot about how someone writes about themselves or presents themselves online. I understand that's a persona, but if someone's just like a bucket and a bullet point, they want short and sweet messaging. They don't want a lot of fluff. They don't want a lot of insights. They don't want to click 20 different links. So I, I tailor that community, like I, I would, you know, for kids or crap, but also any other company, like really tailor it to that person versus if I see someone's on LinkedIn a lot, they've maybe got an ongoing blog, they've got a Twitter thread that's like one of 13 and then successive posts. I know that they don't mind a little bit of long form and they want to take their time doing something. Yeah. So I'll send them a lot of insights and then use the rest of the touch points to just be a little nudge to their inbox because maybe they're like me and they always need a little nudge to the top at like a second or third cadence just to get front of mind, but they're super excited about it. So I really try to gauge those communication styles as much as I would put that content in. So I'd like to say it's really intentional, Mike. It's not. It is. You just explained a very intentional process there. That is super intentional. But no, there's like, I was working recently on an end roll and I mean, it had the potential to be a step up for someone, but also someone who's done the role before. And one of the levers I had at my disposal, um, outside of being like a stealth startup that I couldn't share the name in the initial outreach, so I sounded like a very 
<laughs> very cagey recruiter and hazy politician, I one called that out up front. Hey, I would love to give you the name, and after you know some sort of call or at least an NDA, we absolutely could that could do that. I realize I sound really cagey and this sounds fake. I promise you, I'm not a Nigerian prince, and here's why I reached out to you. Um, and so I had a few levers at my disposal. Like one, you know, for any candidate that had hadn't done this management role before, but looked like high potential for it, I talked about that opportunity versus someone who had done it before, but. I got the sense online that they might have a family or maybe they haven't been in consistent roles for a really long time. And um, this would be another lever was like this, this company's retention rate so far is like really low. They just don't fire people. People stay there for a while. <laughs> and they're really, you're going to be part of a founding team. So you'll have a lot of stability funding wise as well as culture wise to really stay and build something. Um, so I tailor those approaches based on what I think. Uh, and what I hope that person's going to be. And in the communication um, to them, I say those things. I, go, I reached out because I saw you worked at ABC. Uh, those companies are really in line or, you know, with what this, this stealth mode's looking for. You've done this and this. Here are some of the reservations or just the unknowns I have about you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know if you're interested in a role. I have no idea what your comp is, although I could probably guess. And, you know, a few other pieces. And I just call that out. And I would say eight out of ten times, someone will respond just by by saying, you looked because you looked at my profile, because you told me what you thought it would you, why you were reaching out versus what you didn't know and some assumptions, but you didn't let that not reach out or you didn't let that like hinder any outreach. I got yeah. really excited to chat with you and I want to build a relationship. So I, I think it's just building that space to be transparent, share what you can and get, you're giving that person the opportunity to come as they are and not be anything else and not try to fit them in a box or a process or create or lead them into a, a, you know, a recruiting funnel with a lot of leading questions just to get to the end point, but really to make it, to present them with an opportunity and let them make the decision. And I think it's that mindset shift of I'm relationship, you know, you're, you've got to approach it as a relationship and the end goal isn't to get someone in your process, but to just build a relationship and learn who they are and how you could partner up is is at least for me like a big game changer and a big aha moment I had early on in my career that if I think about it, I think that's really, um, that's helped me more than that's hurt me. What is great about that as well is a lot of that, like I feel people feel compelled to run an angle. Like what's, what's the angle that you're running to try and convert this person? Whereas the process you've just gone through, you're really just like, communicating the thought process of like, oh, this person, like when you're looking at a profile, you'd be like, oh, this person looks good. They worked at that company. I know that that's similar kind of space. They've got the same tech stack. Well, they have had a bit of uh, leadership experience. I'm not sure they've had enough. The salary range should work, but there's questions there. The geography, the commute because of this office, like you just like communicating that is great because it's not not just the traditional, like, I've looked at your profile and, like, hey, congratulations on this many years of this company, which is dumb. But it's, yeah. it's overlaying, like, it's the observation with the overlaid thought process. And I think that is something that people, like, you connect with. And you, there's questions you can answer. There's clarifications that the individual can make. And for you, it's not trying to really be crazy and weird and creative. Like, you're just literally just communicating what's in your head 
to the individual and trying to get some feedback if that's aligned. That's an approach that I think anyone could take and still see, like take that recipe and season it to taste. Like there, I, I definitely come from, I'm definitely a little bit wackier and on a box and I've been described as a delightful weirdo. <laughs> At least you get delightful. <laughs> I felt like it was a shit sandwich, but they didn't end it with another nice thing. <laughs> an, an open sandwich, yeah, an, an open, open shit sandwich. <laughs> Um, but, you can, but anyone could use that approach. And I think that that templates will help you to a certain point, right? Like, I don't know if you watch basketball, but like you'll live and die by your, by your three pointers, right? Like, or your free throws. Like you can only rely on templates or strategies for so long, but just sharing someone, sharing what you have and that thought process and what the, the green lights, the lights that have yet to be colored and some of the like pink or red lights, just share those and, you know, put that offer out there. Uh, that can't hurt you. And that's not going to be, you know, that's not stealing someone's tone of voice or language or being mm. someone who you aren't. That's just being who you are in that moment and letting someone else, you know, come to the table with you. See, this is a bit of a tangent, but one thing that I think about a lot in regards to outreach um, and building that human connection is like with the introduction of all this generative AI um, I would say like the ChatGPT is open AIs, but now there's just so many permutations of them. They're, they're everywhere. And every sales tool, recruiting tool is going to have this overlaid. And I feel this is like the second, this is like gen two of when templates became popular and the variables like first name, et cetera, um, came through. And in the early days, they were quite powerful because you'd be like, holy shit, this person's like written my name and observed my current employer. They looked at my profile. They care about me. Whereas once that became prolific, then it was like, ah, oh, you jackass, you just use a template and that was lazy. Um, and I feel like there's going to be a short period of which this generative AI and how that's incorporated into um, recruiting practices is um, impactful and that will fall away quite quickly. Obviously, the technology is going to mature in the background, but I still feel it's just going to be really mass-producing generic outreach. So this, like... Um, the ability to, to find your own voice and style and is going to become more and more important. And, and when everyone's zigging, you should be zagging, in my opinion, and be leaning into getting comfortable and communicating how you're thinking and feeling um, in the hopes of building connection with others. Um, uh, man, that became a little bit more ranty than I initially planned. Uh, we move <laughs> on. Um, for you, how for people that may struggle with this kind of style of outreach and, and engagement, any tips around finding that or getting into getting comfortable enough to communicate in, in such a way? I had to grow to be a strong writer after years and years of struggling with being a, a, a good writer, <laughs> good writer. Um, but at this point now I can just take, you know, I, I like to work with AI, right? It's a good, it's, it's a resource. It's a tool. It's only as good as you use it. And I've, I've heard it described by many as just like your best personal assistant whose work you always have to check. And what's nice is it's like, I, I, I use it to take some of the good tone of voice and sort of like some of the, you know, cheekier outreach or some of the more successful outreach and have it analyze, you know, create a new template for me as I'm starting a new search from scratch or I'm starting a new role from, from scratch. And 
um, helping me iterate from there. But one, I don't trust it. It only gets me like 60, 70, maybe 80% of the time. And let's remember, AI isn't relationship building. It's never going to replace, like if the goal is to build a connection and be really, really curious and ask the questions, the dumb questions that um, you really, really wanna know. It, they're, you're not asking them to lead it again down a sales funnel. AI doesn't know those things. It can't do those things. Um, and, and so I think it, again, to go back to that like mindset of like approach it as you're building your connections, whether you're an agency recruiter, maybe you're a consultant, or maybe you're in-house, like um, you're, this is probably not going to be your last job. <laughs> and your reputation as a recruiter um, is gonna follow you tenfold. Um, so, so make sure that it, you know, I think to be successful, you've got to be really, you know, genuinely interested in making connections for the for the long haul, and yeah. be really engaged and be really curious. And there's only so many you can prompt AI to do that, but it's not going to do that in real time. Like, I, I, what's it going to do? Replace? <laughs> what's like? What are we going to replace recruiter screens with one-way chatbots? No. Yeah. Who's going to? What candidate is going to want to build a relationship with? Or yeah. even after that, and they say, yes, sign me up, chatbot. Like, you still have an entire process to um, be a liaison with them, um, right? So whether it's texting or calling or doing some interview prep or doing some follow-up or helping share a little bit more, you know, feedback from a, from a hiring panel or team, AI is only going to get you so far. Um, that human element of, like, building, building relationships and building trust with your candidates um, it's just, I don't really see it getting that sophisticated too quickly. It's a great writing assistant. <laughs> it's a yeah. great process assistant. Um, but I, I don't think it's ever going to replace that, um, that, the EQ that you need. One last question. Um, and this is something that I've struggled with over the course of my career, is going too weird and potentially isolating or polarizing um, groups of people not in a not in a, in a negative sense but i like my issue is if i start an outreach campaign and i'm like too excited and silly like like we spoke about if it's in late in the afternoon and you're feeling a bit ridiculous sometimes i'm prone to sending like very obscure memes or like making weird references or quotes and i feel like um I think it's funny at the time and I enjoy sending it out, but then I think that negatively impacts my uh, engagement rates. Because like if you're like a specific example, this is a very weird one. Uh, I've sent out a few Sex in the City memes, um, Carrie Bradshaw memes in my time, because I think that's really funny. I'm sorry to laugh so, so bluntly. <laughs> yeah, that's, wow, okay, okay. I'm not judging you, it's just not, I did not expect you to say that. <laughs> Yeah, so I've sent out a few of those, and, uh, and I typically recruit software engineering roles, and weirdly, they didn't land particularly well, um, which really confused me, but, um, sorry, it's a very roundabout story, but yeah, any tips for getting that balance right between like being yourself and embracing the weirdness and the, the uniqueness that is you, and then also like with a commercial lens of being like, hang on a second, this needs to resonate with, with a larger audience, because these people may not get my weird sex in the city humor. That story resonates with me because I too <laughs> feel like I like walk that fine tightrope of like, am I myself or am I oversharing or am I getting too comfortable, too weird, too yeah. fast? <laughs> and yeah. I get the sense like my overactive brain just, I always kind of worry that I'm like, oh, 
crap, like, did I get a little too, did I do that thing where I, I went a little too far, too quickly, too soon? And sometimes, like, I usually think that if you did that, <laughs> 50% of the time you're just you're just like overthinking it and you need to forget it and maybe someone found it utterly delightful or at least you know what they think you're weird but they like you and you stuck out to them the other half like eh, who cares like <laughs> you know I, that's why I, I have that's why I do stagger my a lot of my outreach in case uh, I did get a little too weird or I might need to change a different sentence or take a meme out <laughs> or sometimes or sometimes I've only thrown it in with one person. I was like, they are definitely going to enjoy this little treat. <laughs> and then they love it. And I think, well, maybe I can do this with more people. So I use it for both ends. Like I, I, I think some, sorry, you get, you get this a lot in like the recruiting screen too, right? Like some, there's certain questions you've got to ask. I would say the money one is the big one, but you can't go out of the gate. Like, all right, <laughs> let's talk money <laughs> when you've just met someone in 60 seconds. But you're always trying to figure out, all right, when, when have we built enough trust with this stranger from the internet to talk about money? Which more people, let's be honest, more people would talk about their sex, rather talk about their sex lives than they would about how much money they make. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, it's a critical key, like it's a really key point in like whether or not someone would want to like enter a process or not. So like there's certain times I definitely knew I asked that question too soon. <laughs> or there's other times where I thought I asked it too soon, but it was the perfect moment. And you can tell by someone's response. So I think if yeah. you small batch it, you'll learn and you'll iterate from there. I think that, again, to just like beat that dead horse of don't bulk outreach and don't yeah. don't bulk, bulk uh, don't back to back your calendar um, and really take a personalized approach that's scalable for you. Um, yeah. as a one-person show, um, how, many, how many candidates and how many relationships can you feasibly juggle at any given moment so that you can dedicate that focus? So I, I think some people are always going to appreciate um, the weirdos, and they're also, some of them are weirdos themselves, and they're, you're going to just get weirder and weirder together as you continue to work <laughs> together. And there's others you learn where they'll let that one slide, but maybe let's button up next time, and you learn that pretty quickly in the world of people. Yeah. I... I've definitely gotten feedback that I could be a little bit more polished, but anytime I've tried to be something that I'm not, it just yeah. was more work than it really felt like it was necessary. And I also felt like an ex-con in front of a judge in a new fancy awkward suit trying to look good. And it just like everyone knew it was a game. <laughs> so just yeah. be yourself. Okay, more Sex in the City memes. Look out, <laughs> Australian engineers, they're coming. I love how, yeah, you could have done this 20 years ago and you could also do it now. They're just as timely. <laughs> exactly. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, really lovely, weird, delightful conversation. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your tips. Aww. Mike, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope this was really helpful for your audience. Um, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love a good cold open from the internet, but also if we're already friends, let's like keep chatting. But thanks so much. Thanks for letting me kind of come out of my little cage and um, have this slap happy conversation with you. But um, have a good one. Thanks so much. Cheers.